Okay. While they're heading out, um, let's just pray. Let's begin with prayer. And then um, we'll take a look at the message today. Father, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that you are with us right now, that your spirit is here among us to teach us. Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that you would um, use it to speak truthfully to us. You know what we need to hear today. And I pray that my words would only be in agreement with what you have revealed to us from your word. And may it be given by your spirit's power. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen. This summer, we're going through a summer series called One Word. Um, One Word, looking at just simply one word each Sunday. The word this Sunday that I want you to look at with me is fellowship. It's the word fellowship. Um, And whenever I have the children come up here for an object lesson, it's usually with the idea of having that relate to whatever we're going through or what we're addressing. And so that really does tie in with where we're going today. Um, I want you to think about the word fellowship with me. When you hear the word fellowship, what, what comes to your mind right away? What's the very first thing that you think of when you hear the word fellowship? I, I, I want to hear from you. What, what do you hear? Scott, what do you, what do you think of? Okay, good. A church congregation? Someone else. What do you think of? What comes to your mind when you hear the word fellowship? Togetherness. Okay, excellent. Friends. Good. Mike? Participation. Good. What else do you think of when you hear the word fellowship? Potluck. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that. Potluck. Yeah, good. Angie, what do you think of? Good. Yeah, being among other Christians. Good. What, what's that, Arliss? Oh, what was it? oh sorry. It was uh, Lori. Lori, what'd you say? Uplifting. Good. Anyone else? Communion. Good. Good. Faithful friend. Good. Good. This, this is good. Um, you know, I, this last week I was thinking about what do I think about when I hear the word fellowship. And honestly, the very first thing that came to my mind was social. Um, and it, it kind of ties in with the potluck, you know. That's what I thought of. And then I thought of coffee right away. Um, and I thought of fellowship halls. And, um, and then I thought of denominations. And I thought of church gatherings. Those are the things. Honestly, this is just what came to my mind. Well, let's get a definition here of fellowship. So this is from Webster's Dictionary. And um, there's three definitions I'm going to put up here. The very first is Webster says... Fellowship is companionship, it's company. Second definition says it is a community of interest, activity, feelings, or experience. The third part of the definition is, he says, it's a company of equals or friends. Okay, I don't know how much that really helps you out, but that's the technical definition of fellowship. According to New Unger's Bible Dictionary, fellowship is companionship, a relation in which parties hold something in common. It is this mutual, mutual sharing. The Greek word for fellowship that we find in the New Testament is this word here, koinonia. Koinonia. And it's actually, 
it's, it's very, really possible that you have heard this, this term before. Uh, two weeks ago, I took our youngest son out to Camp Koinonia. Uh, you know, the camp has actually been named after this Greek word for fellowship. Koinonia, fellowship. Um, <clears throat> when, when the New Testament speaks about fellowship, koinonia, the idea being conveyed is having a share with someone else. Having a share with someone else. There is this participation with someone else. I am participating in what you're going through. I am a participant with you. Now, that's amazing. Sam just shared about work that they're doing in Portugal. We could actually be, you might be a participant with them in their ministry, even though it's not here at home. But you can be a participant with them. There is this mutual sharing. That's actually fellowship. That's fellowship. Do you have fellowship with other believers? When, when we gather together for church, this gathering of the called out, when we come together, we are to have fellowship. There is to be this mutual sharing that we have with each other. That's supposed to be happening. In our minds, when we go to church, our minds were thinking, okay, maybe a cup of coffee, a cookie, we're going to sing a few songs, the pastor's going to preach, and then we go home. And church goes so much deeper than that. If that's all you experienced, then you were an observer. You were just someone who came to sit in a seat and watch what's going on. And God's desire for us goes so far beyond that. You are not just to be an observer. No, God is saying, I want you to come together and have fellowship. I want you to be able to participate one with each other. So how does this play out? You're going through something hard, as I mentioned to the kids. Someone is there to walk with you. That's fellowship. I participate with you and what you're going through. Someone rejoices. I am here to rejoice with you instead of growing jealous of how come all the good goes to that person. I rejoice with you. Or there is this mutual accountability. We help encourage each other to stay strong in the faith. That is fellowship. This morning... I usually try to look at about just one passage of Scripture. I'm going to look at five this morning. And I would love for you to see this with me. So if you have your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. We'll begin there. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. I will give you the page number each time where I'm at. In this case, Acts 2.42 is on page 772. Acts 2, verse 42. 
What does it say? It says they. Who's they? Verse 41 before it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's the day. These these new believers, 3,000 of them to be exact, these 3,000 believers, they, what does it say? Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what these new believers devoted themselves to. Now, there's four things that are mentioned there, but the one thing I'm obviously going with here, the second thing on that list, they devoted themselves to koinonia. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to this participating with each other. They wanted to participate in life with each other. I want to do life with you. And these believers, man, did they ever need it. I I mean, you look at the culture that they came from, and and it really stood in stark contrast to the claims of Christianity. And so they needed this mutual bond. They needed this, I need encouragement. I need someone to encourage me in my faith, and I am here to encourage you in your faith. They needed this. I I want you to note a word here. It's the word devoted. It says that they devoted themselves. Fellowship is a choice. Did you hear me? Fellowship is a choice. And it's a choice that requires discipline. Meaning you can choose to bow out. I'm not going to do that. I will be an observer. Fellowship is a choice that we make. I choose to be an active participant with you. But fellowship is mutual. So it's not just me choosing to participate with you. It's you choosing to participate with me in life. It has to go both ways. If it doesn't, I'm giving, I'm reaching out. But fellowship means that you are doing this for me as well. And this is something that they were devoted to. They were committed to doing this. The verb tense that is used in the Greek here for the word devoted implies it was continual. Matter of fact, if you have varying translations, I'm using NIV, but some translations will say they continually devoted themselves. And that is a correct translation. They continually did this. Meaning it wasn't just like, well, check, I got it done. Put my time in. I'm good for another year. I'm good for another month. No, there was this continuing. If we are going to stand strong as believers, believe me, an hour a week is not going to cut it. If you think that that you can just come to church and, okay, well, I, I did what I'm supposed to do. Now, God, how come you're not helping me out here? 
you're wrong. You have the totally wrong mindset. And I'm going to tell you up front, you're going to be extremely discouraged as a believer. You're going to be just frustrated. Because you are designed for so much more than just an hour a week. I'm so thankful for text messaging, emailing, sending messages, phone calls, time over coffee with people. This is fellowship. Because we need this. Because life is difficult. And I need encouragement. And you need encouragement. Second passage. Fast forward in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. Page 807. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. Okay, before I get to verse 9, I want to just point out the context here, okay? So verse 4, just breezing through this. He says, Paul is saying that Paul is the author. He says, I always thank God for you. Verse 5, he says, in him you have been enriched in every way. Verse 6, you do not lack any spiritual gift. And verse 8 He will keep you strong to the end. He's going to keep you strong to the end. Now with all of this in mind, that's the context. Verse 9, God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, is faithful. Now, the context here is really God is faithful. He has given you everything that you need. He is with you to the end. That's the context, but there is also this sub point here where he's saying, God, and what did he do? He has called you into fellowship. He has called you into koinonia. He has called you to be a participant with others. But the fellowship in this case is with Jesus. The fellowship is with Jesus the Son. God has called you to that. He has called you to be an active participant with Jesus. If you are a child of God, you have fellowship, you have mutual sharing. With the Son. You have koinonia with Jesus. You have fellowship with Jesus. You have that. In Romans 6, verse 5, don't turn there, just listen. Paul says, If we have been united with him, Jesus, like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. That's participation. That's fellowship. If our faith is in Jesus, we are participants in his death on the cross. And because we are participants in his death on the cross, we will be participants in his resurrection. 
He has raised. He is the very first who has been raised. And when we leave this earth, we will be with him in glory. That's the truth. We are participants. We participate in the death. And because we participate in his death, we are participants in his resurrection. Fellowship. Fast forward again. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Page 823. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is the close, the closing of this letter that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And he says this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul is saying, I want you to know the grace of the Lord. I want you to know the love of God. And I want you to understand the fellowship. I want you to understand the koinonia. I want you to understand that you are a participant with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. If your faith is in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He comes to live with inside you. You are a participant of the Holy Spirit. He's within you. You have fellowship with the Son. You have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fast forward again. Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Page 832. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10. Human author, Paul again. He says this. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. I want to know this fellowship. I want to know this koinonia. I want to be a participant with Christ in his death. Because again, as I participate in his death, as my faith is in Christ and what he accomplished on the cross, I will be a participant in his resurrection. One last scripture passage. Final one here. First John. Turn to First John chapter 1. Page 862. First John chapter one, <clears throat> verses three, and then six and seven. We proclaim to you, this is John writing now. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. What what has John seen and heard? Verses one and two, just referencing back here, he says, Hey, We saw the word of life. That's Jesus. We saw him. We touched him. 
We heard him. We were with him. And, and we heard the message that he has. And we want to pass that on to you. He's saying that. So now he says in verse 3, We proclaim to you what we have heard and seen. Why? So that you also may have fellowship with us. John is saying we don't want to just have this by ourselves. We want you to have fellowship with us. So we are going to take the message that we have heard. And we're passing it on to you. In order that you might have fellowship with us. Not just with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit, but that you might have fellowship with us. We want you to have fellowship with us. We want you to have this ability to participate with us. Look at verses 6 and 7 of chapter, the same chapter, chapter 1. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. Do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We are made to have fellowship with each other. God has designed us that way. We are made to have fellowship one with each other. But what gets in the way of that? It's when I pretend as though I'm living in the light and I'm really not. You see, we have a culture that believes I can live however I want and it doesn't impact anyone else. I live how I want. And you are just to simply butt out of my life and let me live however I want. And I'm telling you, that's incorrect theology. How I live my life impacts you. My choices impact you. And guess what? It's a two-way street. Your choices impact me. The choices that you make impact me. Not just as your pastor. No, I'm just talking as a fellow believer. The choices that you make impact me. I'm not just on my own little island to live however Nate wants to live. I'm part of a body. There is to be communion in this body. And the best way that we have unity in this body is by me choosing to live in the light. So when God convicts me of sin in my life, hopefully the desire I have is to submit my life to that. God, you're right. Because how I live my life impacts whether or not you and I experience fellowship. Whether or not we are participants, one with each other. When, uh, for years now, when K 
Kelsey and I with the kids have driven to church. And now our oldest is 17, and so he drives himself most, most of the time. But as a family, we will pray before we get to church. And we've been doing this for years. <clears throat> we pray many other times, too. But we pray specific, specifically about church. And the prayer that I have had for years has been this. God, may I be an encouragement to someone else. May I somehow be an encouragement to at least one other person a day. And while I pray that, my prayer goes this way too. And God, may you use someone else at my church to be an encouragement to me. Because I need it just as much as you do. There is this understanding that when we come together, there needs to be this mutual participation. I am here to encourage you, but I'm also here to receive encouragement. Are you here at Kingwood for the same purpose? Are you here to encourage someone else? Along in their walk? Maybe it's coming alongside of someone. You know they're going through something difficult and you just simply put your arm around them or you give them a big hug and you say, I love you and I'm walking with you. I care for you. We need that. When someone is, is, is rejoicing and they're happy, are you there to once again wrap your arm around them or give them a high five? And say, I love you. Praise God for what he is doing. Or when a fellow believer is struggling at maybe making choices that maybe it's just not, this is not the most honoring choice here. Are you that person that God has said, I want you to come alongside? I want you to help hold this person accountable. And are you willing to receive that when someone comes alongside of you and says, I'm here to help hold you accountable? This is fellowship. This is what we're made for. This is what we need. This is the family. Because the culture that we live in Everything I'm saying and everything I preach, not everything. There's some things our culture still would say, I like that. That part's okay. But there's a lot in this book that our culture does not like. And for that, I need encouragement to press on. And you need encouragement to press on. Fellowship. Koinonia. Are you an active participant or just simply an observer, God longs that we would participate one with each other. Father, we come to you. I thank you that you have given us fellowship. Through Jesus, we can have fellowship with you, God. And that fellowship is not just with you as the Father, as our Father, 
We have fellowship with the Son and we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But that is also to pour into our fellowship, our quinonia, our participation, one with each other. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of fellowship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.